So GMM Takeover, the Swim Swam podcast. Joining me is Coleman Hodges, Swim Swam's man on deck, the guy at all your swimming meets. And today we have a very, very, very special guest, 12-time Olympic medalist, Natalie Coughlin. Hello. You're supposed to like do a dance or, or cheer. Well, you know, it's funny, the Zoom format, I know this is a podcast, so it's audio-based, so I'm not going to wave, but <laughs> um, hello, everybody. Well, we, we do. We do reveal the video. Are you aware of this? You do. Uh, well, I'm glad I didn't shower or brush my hair. <laughs> I, I, th I think this, we, call this, we call this the honest uh, pandemic look. I've been it's, wearing the same pair of sweats and like this entire time. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so when I think of Natalie Coughlin and I think a pandemic and I, and you know, this, I, I don't mean to make light of this, but it's, no. I do think of like, you know, you're, you're in your garden, you're cooking up amazing meals. Uh, you have like this gold medalist level palette and you know, in the evenings you just walk to your vineyard and uh, this is life for, for Natalie Coughlin. Is that accurate? Um, that's a much more romantic version of what it is. Um, the toddler throws a little bit of a monkey wrench into all that, uh, especially the fancy cooking. Um, but in the beginning of this, when my husband was home, yeah, I was making some great meals when I had like an extra set of um, hands to watch her. But um, now that he's back coaching most of the day, um, we are spending some time in the garden and taking care of the chickens and, and everything and trying to cook out of there as much as possible, but it's much more simpler um, than uh, I would, I would like, you know, I'd like to get a little bit fancier, but uh, there's only so, so many hours in the day. <laughs> well, we, we have you on. So we've got to say this. Um, if you were, if you were into, if you're, you're into cookbooks and this is the thing you want, you need to have Natalie's cookbook, Cook to Thrive, Recipes to fuel the body and soul. I don't own this cookbook and I apologize. I should own this cookbook because you I cook should, from time no. to time. And, it, and it's, <laughs> I, am I am ashamed that I don't own it, but uh, you're gonna get it. You're gonna, you're gonna have a new purchase. This just occurred <laughs> to me, I'm you. like, I should, I should own this cookbook. Why don't I? I'm scrolling through your Instagram account and I'm looking at the recipes and I'm like, I need to get on this yes you do it, there's a lot I mean there most of the recipes are pretty simple and straightforward um, so you don't need to be an expert cook uh, home cook to, to make any of this um, there are a lot of family recipes um, you know there are recipes from my mom and grandma and great-grandma in there um, recipes that are inspired from all my swim travels um, and just recipes that I cooked for myself during training for um, you know, world championships or Olympic games or whatever. And I, I just asked for your pronunciation of the vineyard. You can do, you do better than I do. You have, you have television experience. What say, lay it on me. It's Gadarian wines. Um, and Gadarian is the old English word for to gather or to bring together. And so when my partner, Shana Harding and I, uh, started Gadarian in 2017, um, we wanted something that, you know, symbolizes how food and wine brings people around a table, brings people together to celebrate. Um, and so that's, that's what we came up with. And honestly, choosing a name, whether it's a vineyard or a cookbook, is probably the the hardest part. <laughs> um, it's, it's hard. So I'm glad that we settled on that. And uh, yeah, we love it. 
GadarianWines.com. If you want to see her vineyard, if you want to, you want to see the wine, the price list, GadarianWine.com. I was, I was, after I was, I did a, I did a Natalie Coughlin research refresh <laughs> and it's like, I have brain strain because there's so much there. There's so many things happening in your life, but oh, GadarianWines.com. And this, the, the bottle sets you back, correct me if I'm wrong, like about $26 to $45 a bottle. Is that correct? Correct. correct. So the Rosé is our most affordable at $26. Um, the Chardonnay and Chenin Blanc are $32. The Pinot Noir and Petite Syrah are $45. And then our Cabernet won't be out for another year. So that'll be a little bit more pricey, probably in the $50 range. But we, we still have to figure that out. And if you're smart, you'll follow at Natalie Coughlin on Instagram for the, the sales alerts, correct? <laughs> yes, all the sales. We're, we actually have a sale going on right now, um, so I'm not sure when this podcast dro- drops. But, um, but yeah, and I also, every other Tuesday, I post perfect pairings. So I pair one of our wines with a recipe that I find. Um, so it's a good, good way to, you know, get some new recipes in your life and, and pair our, our wines with some good, good food. All right. Thank you for that. Thank you for bringing us up to up to up to date. Because you have yes. a full life. You're not just a, you're not just a swimmer. You've you've got deep swimming roots between <laughs> everything that you've accomplished, which is is dizzying. So I went back through and did the refresh, and I was like, you know, you 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 forget. It's like so much. I had I, I'm I'm sitting here reading it out to my wife. I'm like, first Natalie, first under a minute and hundred backstroke, first woman to win two consecutive, you know, hundred backstroke is two consecutive Olympics. First U.S. female to win six Olympic medals. You won 11 NC2A individual titles, correct? Yeah. And it's 60 Olympic you know, international medals won. And it's just like, you have to sit with that. You know, you sit there and you, you start thinking about that. And you're like, wow, I, I, I kind of sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's, it's weird when it's listed in front of you. Because, I mean, that's a very long career. And... Um, I know I've had a lot, I've been fortunate to have a lot of success, but, um, yeah, it's been, it, it, it's, it's weird hearing it right back to you or seeing it down on a, on a bio. <laughs> we'll dive into that a little bit, but I have, I have a confession to make. I have to, I have to bring up a, a male embarrassing moment with you. Cause I, I think I've talked to you about this. I don't know if I have, you know what it is. I think. <laughs> do so well i have two that are like that are like cringe cringe i wonder i wonder if, if ours are the same because i i love my story my male story God, you probably tell everybody this is like, no this. i don't i think mike unger tells everybody oh yeah that's right so yeah so yeah, mike unger is our is the chief operating officer of the united states swimming he was my team captain in the 90s and he ascended to become chief chief operating officer under under natalie's career and he's also essentially, you know, he's an Emmy-winning producer for NBC. He's on loan to NBC. He's always in the truck when you're calling a race. Rowdy was Rowdy Gaines was sick. Mel Stewart gets a spin in the chair, and I'm calling some. It was the Grand Prix series, and Mike's talking to me, and I'm talking to Mike. I don't know if you just heard me or just heard Mike, but you were on deck <laughs> post race, and you have your headphones on. And what do you say to us because you're listening to our conversation? <laughs> It was the hundred fly and Mel was saying, Oh my God, Natalie's dying the last 50, blah, blah, blah. And I have the, like, that's like right when I put the headphones on and I was like, Mel, I could hear everything you're saying. And like, you couldn't hear me, I think. 
everything. And so I was like, Mel, I can hear you. And you were just like going on and on how I was dying in the race. And I was like, I am a human being with emotions and feelings. And then, so they made that rule with NBC, um, the Mel Natalie rule that, hey, <laughs> the summer could hear your comments. So make sure you're aware of that. But it was really funny because, um, you know, I, I have thick skin. I was just kidding with you, but I, I know you well enough to be like, no, what the hell? I'm sweating but, uh, all over. It's, it's crazy. I have trauma from it still. And I, I remember it's... going back and looking at the stats and I had the fastest second 50. I was like, it might have looked ugly, but it is still fast. Not only, not only, not only did I throw you under the bus, I called it wrong. It was, it was funny. And you know what? I've been in the booth myself. It's hard. It's not an, like Brownie makes it look easy. Um, when you have the Telecaster and you're trying to watch the race and react to the race and you're trying to say something interesting, it, it's a difficult, uh, difficult job. And I've been there and I get it. Um, and I know you well enough to give you some, you know, talk, talk a little trash about it. Um, <laughs> it's awful. So here, I, I, th I think I'm glad our story was the same story. <laughs> it's the same story. What what's burned into my, my brain is I'm a human being, and that's the way she said it, folks. She said I'm a human being, and when when Natalie Coglin has won all these Olympic medals, and she says that to you, your heart is in your throat, and you just and then it sinks, and you feel like a tiny little person, and you want to go into a hole and die. That's the that's the reaction you get. I know how to cut to the quick when I need to. <laughs> it was effective. It was very effective. It was a learning opportunity for both of us. Yeah. So it's a, that, that was tough. I, I don't think I'm giving anything away when I say this. I don't think Mike would get upset with me, but basically he told me, he goes, Mel, it's because it's uh here's our, here's our, here's our broadcasters. Here's the people who are calling races for you. Assuming this is our go-to list. It's Rowdy. It's Natalie. Um, it's Elizabeth Beisel. She takes a turn in the chair and he goes, and then there's you. So basically <laughs> if, if NBC calls Rowdy and he's sick and he calls Natalie and she's, she's busy and then talks to Elizabeth and she's busy, then I get the phone call and I have to make a decision and like leave on, on a moment's notice to go do this. And, uh, <laughs> so you're so saying there's you know. a chance. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. But it is hard, and it's it's not. It is. Rowdy does make it. There's a lot going on, and it's not necessarily you. You are working for a producer who's trying to tell a story to a swimming audience, to an audience that's much broader than swimming, oftentimes outside of swimming. Correct. Correct. And, um, you know, from the couch, it's easy to play, you know, uh, you know, couch quarterback and say how, how great you could do it. But once you're in that chair, there's a lot going on, and you have someone speaking in your ear, and you're trying to say something articulate and interesting. So it's, it's tough. It's really tough. It's really tough when iconic Olympians basically get angry with you. That's a tough <laughs> moment. Okay, so I, I'm, we, we, I spent way too much time on this. I'll go to one other moment. Story. I, sh I don't even know if I should go to the other moment. Do you have another, you have another embarrassing Please. moment? No, that was it. That was the oh, one no, This is bad. This is really bad. I mean, we're at Golden Goggles, and like everybody's running around, and they're super busy. And I'm super busy and I'm talking to my daughter because I haven't seen my daughter in four days. I'm talking to my daughter. I'm like, bye, sweetheart. And then I walk by you and I'm like, are you coming to this thing? Are you doing this thing? And I'm like 25 yards down the thing. And I'm like, and you're like, yeah, I'll be there. And I'm like, thank you, sweetheart. And I'm like, <laughs> and I turn around. I'm like, what am I? 90 years old. I, I don't even remember that. I, I, I shouldn't I, have told you. You didn't hear it. I was, I, 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 I 
basically cringed inside because it's like, that's awful. What's wrong with you? And then I, we've, and then we've I, all done that before. We've all done that before. One time my husband was, he's going to hate that I didn't share this, but like one time he was calling our, uh, our painter. We were getting some interior work done in the house. And as he was hanging up, he said, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you told Chris, our painter that you love him. And he's like, no, I did it. I was like, yeah, you 100% did. So we all have those habits um especially when we're you know conversing either over the phone where you just kind of throw them in and sometimes you don't mean it okay we're, we're gonna since we're just this is confession time i will say this before coleman hodges coleman controls the deck now i am out i'm way i'm done i'm all i'm i'm working the swim swam business side coleman does it all he gets to have all the fun mm. makes me jealous but before that, I used to do it, and I remember being on deck, and I, I think I've said this to you before, but I, I remember being on deck before some final, you know, before a pro swim or a Grand Prix or whatever event, and, like, I would not look at you. It's like you were, like, the alpha in the room. Like, looking <laughs> at you scared me. And uh, are, do, are you aware of how intimidating you appear right before race? I I, I was because other people brought it up to me. Like, I, um, you know, you you hear like Beyonce say, you know, her stage name is Sasha Fierce. Um, I never had like a different persona per se, but I definitely knew how to turn it on and off. Um, and I was always insanely competitive and, um, I knew how to get in that right mindset of, all right, now it's time to race. I could be swimming next to my best friend and it doesn't matter. It like now is time to race. And, um, I remember once Cullen Jones at, um, we were at a training camp. I can't remember if it was Olympics or world championships, but we were in the weight room and I'm all business. Like I don't socialize in there. I don't do anything. And he, and after the, after the fact, he's like, man, you're really scary in the weight room. And I wanted to stay out of your way. I was like, really? I, I don't see that in myself, but then I get it. You know, um, I, I'm someone who's able to compartmentalize and uh when it's time to race time to train uh i'm focused and i'm all business i i know certain athletes everybody deals with the stress and their pre-race routine differently and uh I'm, i wasn't as intimidating as you but uh <laughs> i mean I, I would say at a factor of like two on a scale of 10 i was a two i was i was so i was i was i was low but I, I, I had the same thing. I, I would get quiet. I would go inside my head and I'd get ready to, to, to fight. I don't know why your video is on screen, Coleman. Why are you showing up on screen now? I don't know. I don't know. God, you just want to show your, your face. Thanks, bud. <laughs> but, but I always hated people in the, in the, that were – I always hated people that were chatty. They drove yes. me – I mean, they were my friends, but they drove me insane. Right, right. I know there's, there's definitely the etiquette of the, um, of the ready room. There are the people who are trying to intimidate, you know, doing shadow boxing in the corner or whatever. Um, or there are the people who are trying to stare down their competitors. Um, and then there are people who like just do not shut up and are just talking and talking and talking. And um, earbuds were definitely um, something that were a huge advantage <laughs> and on, on, honestly I would wear earbuds or headphones and they would never be on anything I didn't listen to music before I raced but it was kind of the symbol of like hey I don't really want to chat right now um so that was kind of an easy pull 
light way to, to do so is just to wear your headphones. Great. Natalie Coughlin wisdom. If you <laughs> subscribe to the Natalie Coughlin method of the pre-race routine and you don't like chatty <laughs> folks, I appreciate that. We've got to swim it up or swim nerds will get, will get really upset with us. And you know what? It seems to, I don't know how to frame this question, but it, I do know how to frame it. Um, it seems to me like your swim philosophy is that you're going to stay in touch and you're going to stay in, engaged in the sport to compete whenever it is you want to compete. Is that a good way mm -hmm. to describe it? Yeah. Yeah, that is. Um, mainly when, when I said that, like when I, you know, after 2016 and I purposefully didn't retire, um, it was more because I love competing and I love swimming. I, I don't want to do it at the national team level or at the Olympic level anymore, but there are so many fun meets around the world. Um, and the one that jumps to mind is the uh, meet in Bolzano, Italy that I would go to every fall. Swim Mac always went to that. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, there, there are meets in Europe and Asia that I would be invited to that I wanted to leave the door open for that. And then, um, you know, beyond that, I didn't really think about it much more. And then the ISL happened and Caitlin Sandino was like, Hey, do you want to do 50 back at ISL? And I was like, no, I, you know, at the time I was like six months, my, my daughter was six months old. So I just had a baby, hadn't swum at all. Um, hadn't considered it, but that was just enough for her, for Caitlin to ask. Um, that was enough of a seed planted for me to be like, you know what, that'd be really fun. That would, I would be able to, compete again, see some of my friends, um, and just see what this ISL is all about. And so that's, that's what I did. Um, and currently I'm pregnant again. I can't even remember the last time I've been in the water between the pregnancy and then the pandemic. Um, but I'm someone who likes to be fit and likes to be active and likes to be strong. So, um, even when I am not focused on competition, I work out very similarly, just less volume um, than I did when I was training full time. And you've got an underwaters that are legend. And I know from being much older than you are, that there's this weird thing that happens that you can always pop a really fast 25 underwater for several decades after you're done. Is it, if, if you were doing the Natalie Coughlin, here's the secret sauce in underwaters, the Natalie Coughlin clinic for underwaters, what would it be? Oh man. Uh, first of all, learn how to plug your nose. Um, that was a big one for me or where, you know, a lot of people, I think Missy Franklin was the one who, who made it okay to wear a nose plug <laughs> before that people would shun you. Um, but yeah, wear a nose plug, learn how to plug your nose. I did it with my lip like, like that. Um, so that the air doesn't escape. Um, and the biggest thing is just before every practice, um, I would just decide, Hey, I am going, going to kick eight underwaters off of every wall, whether it's warm up, warm down, no matter how out of breath I am, this or that, um, just pick a number, um, and stick with it and you could only add to it. So if it's a fast set, you could go 12, but you can't go six. Um, so just, just choose a number, stick with it. Consistency is, is what is so, so, so important. Um, and then just figure out what works for you. Some people are to get really for the swim nerds out there. Some people are really body driven. Um, so I think of, um, like someone like a Jacob Pebley, like really uses his upper body body a lot more. 
Um, I was much more stiff upper body um, with my underwaters. Uh, you know, I just kind of figure out what works for your body type, your body, and um, play around with it. Have you, have you tested your underwater 25 when you've been completely like, I haven't been in touch with the water, but I'm just going to jump in here and do this. Um, not, not recently. So, um, for people who don't know when you're pregnant, um, the, your belly's out and what happens to make room for the baby is your abs separate. Um, and so (laughs) my abs are like actually separated right now and non-existent. So, um, doing any sort of undulation (laughs) in the water would damage, uh, not, not be a good thing. Um, so it'll be several months after I have this baby to, to really test it. But, um, but yeah, like when I was getting back into ISL, once I was cleared, once my abs had, you know, knitted back together, um, once I was clear to do underwaters, I was ripping them just because it's so fun. (laughs) Um, but the pool that I swim in is three and a half feet deep. So, um, that's not so fun because, um, I like to go really, really deep off off the wall but um yeah you got to play around with it i have well i'm just i'm just going stream of consciousness here do you have a hot tub do you have a pool do you have a personal do you are you no you're not doing it no i don't have any of that i you know once it started i was like man one of those swim spas would have been really awesome right now um between not having any water time um and and at the time, my daughter, I wanted her to get in the water because um, she, you know, we swim with her quite a bit. And um, yeah, not having access to the pool has been has been rough. Um, luckily, my parents have a pool and my in-laws have a pool. So once it got warm enough outside, because none of the pools are heated. Um, once it got warm enough outside, we would take my daughter to swim. But I, I haven't personally. We, lo- we lost the connection to Natalie Coughlin and now we're back. And this happens every time we're on with anyone in the vicinity of Silicon Valley. (laughs) Yeah, you would think we'd have great internet and we don't out here. (laughs) But it's beautiful. It is. Yeah, I I love it. I love it. We're in the hills. It's peaceful. It's lovely. Uh, I just don't get any cell service and my internet kind of (laughs) sucks. What what about 5G? (laughs) What about 5G? Isn't that what caused the pandemic? No, I'm just kidding. Please don't anyone believe that no do i believe that that was a joke that was a joke a very sarcastic joke um yeah please don't believe that <laughs> because uh, yeah someone said that to me and they're like i'm like you know there's another 180 countries they would all have the same problem <laughs> but uh anyway let's let's we'll get back into swimming and yes. we'll, we'll, we'll shake it up do, do, you, do you have a go-to roomie on your national team trips like yeah, are, Maddie Kennedy. Um, yeah, Maddie Kennedy. We uh, get along really well. I love her to death. She was my ISL roomie. And half the reason I decided to do this was when I found out that she was going to be on the same team uh, as me. Uh, so I was like, yes, I have my roomie. Um, yeah, she's the best. She's one of our favorites too. Uh, she oh, makes she life gives the best interviews. Like, talk about stream of consciousness, man. She is hilarious and sassy and so smart, and I absolutely love seeing her. She's uh, no, she makes a life worth living. What, what people need to understand is that your roommate at big events matters. Yes, your yes, your your lifestyle, the roommate, it, it matters. So if you have your go to, 
I just think it's funny that you said, yeah, this, this makes, <laughs> you would do the International Swimming League Pro Circuit if you could room with her. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. So here's, here's something good. Let's, so I, I need to know this. Okay. Do, you, do you have a moment of, of, of just joy when you think about swimming? It can be any time during your career, childhood, uh, where you just had a moment of joy and swim, and it's like a crystallized memory, that thumbnail in your brain. Do you have that? And what oh, would it be? man. Easy question. Uh, it, super easy. Um, I think when you say that, that what comes to mind is – when I was really young, so when I was on the Vallejo Aquatics um, team, uh, you know, you would have those meets that would last all day long. And I just remember running around in my suit on the football field uh, behind our pool with all my friends, either playing tag or making friendship bracelets or playing some sort of card game or this or that like just all the things that were non-swimming related that were re related to the meets. Um, like all those wonderful memories of just playing around in between your five events that you would swim um, and just being in your suit all day long with like your goggles around your neck. And, you know, this, the same size suit when I was age eight is what I wore when I was age 35, <laughs> like really big and comfy. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's what I think of. That's exactly the same answer that Missy Franklin gave. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I didn't copy her, I promise. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it was much better. Missy, you get the silver medal on that answer. Natalie wins gold because she's on this podcast. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, Coleman, Coleman. You need to call it. So it, it's, uh, so it sounds like that's the moment of like just being in the swim tribe with your gang. When you were a kid, and it seems like everybody was just sort of moving as one. That, that, is a, that is a point of joy that oftentimes we forget. It makes me think about cooking. I'm like, why does Natalie like to cook? I bet she likes to cook because like swimming, you're in the present moment. There's no past. There's mm -hmm. no future. You're in the present. No, that's very true. That's very true. Like I love, you know, I'm such a type A like analytical person that when I get to cooking, um, I'm so focused on the task at hand and just like the mise en place, like getting your entire, you know, setup ready is just so calming to me. Um, you know, getting everything prepped ahead of time before you even start cooking. Um, that was, or yeah, before you actually start cooking. Um, that, that's, that's why I found cooking so relaxing for me and why even when I was training super, super hard, um, that was the thing I looked forward to the most after training was coming home and getting in the kitchen and getting that kind of meditation of just focusing on chopping and stirring and cooking and great food. Well, let's make our swimmers happy. The, of all the accomplishments you've had, and you have a lot of big ones, a lot of firsts, you have a lot of pieces of history in the sport that are, that are iconic. Is there, is there, is there a moment in your, in your, in your career as an elite where you felt that, that sense of inhale, exhale, I did that. And, um, you're, you were content. You were content. Do you have a moment that was a, hmm. like that? It's hard. part of the problem of being so overly competitive sometimes <laughs> is even when you do accomplish some amazing things, you're not necessarily content. 
Um, but you are proud of yourself at the same time. Like on one hand, you might not be content or satisfied knowing that you could have done better, but you're really proud of, of that. And, and what jumps to mind for me is uh, the Beijing Olympics and um, being able to medal in all six events. Um, I, you know, I never considered doing the tuner I am at that Olympic games. And, um, you know, I only swam, swam it twice before that Olympic trials had no idea what I was doing. Um, practically begged, uh, coach Mark Schubert and Terry McKeever to let me drop an event, either the 200 IM or the four by 200 freestyle relay something. Cause I, I just thought six events was too many. And they said, no, <laughs> so we moved on. Um, and then, um, just looking back at, at Beijing and just being able to focus on one event at a time. Cause when you swim six events, you know, prelims, semifinals, finals, that's a lot and packed into one schedule. And I never intended or set an outright goal to get a medal in all six events. But at the same time, I kind of expected myself to, I knew I was capable of it at least. Um, so I think it was after, either my bronze in the 200 IM or my bronze in the 100 freestyle that someone pointed out to me is probably Terry um, that like, oh my gosh, you could get six medals at this event. Um, I, it, that thought never even occurred to me. Um, so that's something I'm very, very proud of that I never outright, I, I never set a goal to be the first to do anything. I just kind of focused on the task at hand, focus on what I could control um, focus on one event at a time. And that somehow led me to the success that I had, if that makes any sense. You no, know, I mean, it, whenever you exceed expectations, that's always when you're surprised, you're like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. That's always a beautiful moment. Yeah. When you, when you just break it down into its parts, you're like, yeah, I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. But then when you see it all as a whole, I never really considered it as a whole. Um, and so for me, and just knowing my own psychology, I think that's what was um, really effective in my career was to be able to just focus on one event at a time and not not get overwhelmed uh, with the whole. First woman to win six, first U.S. female to win six medals at an Olympic Games, pretty outstanding. And I'll say that was, that was an iconic Olympics and everybody remembers that. We're down to about three minutes. So the, the you know, national teamers have like, they have like favorite trips. And it's, uh, it's not always the Olympics, but uh, you've no. been on many, many, many national teams. Do you have a favorite trip? No, man. I Well, I mean, my favorite are every Italy trip I've ever been. Those aren't necessarily national team trips, um, which is probably why I enjoyed them even more because I didn't have um, the rules of the national team. So, um you know, I, so Mac would often go to this Bolzano meet. And so Maddie Kennedy was there. And Colin and um, Katie Miley and a bunch of other uh, of those uh, athletes, um, and we would swim really fast. We would train hard. We would eat amazing food and drink great wine. And um, yeah, it was like a vacation where you got to compete and train and and just see this wonderful countryside like i had so much fun and that was the highlight of every fall if you could uh so if you're if you're going to vacation is, is italy your go-to um it is if i if someone else sets it up because i don't speak italian 
Um, so it was really great. Um, my go-to vacation is probably Hawaii or um, Hawaii just because of the proximity or camping. I love camping. Um, so uh, we have a pretty, pretty fancy like uh, rooftop tent that we have set up. And so we've gone um, all over California and we love doing that. We are down under a minute. Do you have any parting thoughts? Um, no parting thoughts. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to come up with something, but um, yeah, this is this was fun. This half hour flew by, so I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for being compassionate and understanding about embarrassing moments with Natalie Coglin in the beginning. <laughs> so that was really why we wanted to have you on. Will you come back on? I will come back on. And and just looking back, I'm so happy that our embarrassing moment was the same one because that could have gone really poorly or funny for the audience, depending on your perspective. 